I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about the rise of artificial intelligence and what it could be potentially used for. It turns out that there is such a thing as ethical artificial intelligence, which is something that scientists in the US and Australia are working on. The federal government has contributed to uh, $5 million in grants, which is going towards research and a collaboration between the US National Science Foundation and the CSIRO. Well, John Whittle is an AI expert and the director of CSIRO's Data61 program. Welcome to you, John. Thanks for having me. What is ethical AI? I mean, every AI headline I'm reading about lately is inspiring terror in just how smart these (laughs) chatbots could be. But yeah, what is ethical AI? Yeah, sure. So maybe to start with what is AI. So a lot of the AI systems that we're seeing, they essentially are efficient ways of taking lots and lots of data and then using lots of compute power to make decisions about a certain topic. Um, But one of the problems that they have is because they're so complex, um, they can't really explain why they've made a certain decision. And so if you're using them, um, you know, in in an application that's going to affect people's lives, for example, then you want to make sure that they've used the right decision. And so there's this um, concept of ethical AI that has come up, which is how can we make sure that the human values and the ethics that we have as human beings are reflected in the decisions that these AI systems are making? And some of it certainly is about the intended objective and whether that's sort of you know, positive or, or negative. I mean, for example, AI has long been uh, r- rumoured to, to be perhaps functional when it comes to predicting infectious disease outbreaks or epidemics. Yep, that's right. Um, and this grant program that we've just announced with the US National Science Foundation that actually is going to fund some work on um, predicting the spread of infectious diseases. So there are there are a lot of great applications for AI that I think will you know, promote um, positive things in society. In fact, related to that, we're already doing some work in the CSIRO using AI to predict um, the spread of bushfires, and that's being rolled out nationally. And that means that if you've got that information, you can then allocate resources to the right place. But you do need to make sure that you do it in a responsible way because you obviously don't need, you, you, you don't want to have a wrong answer and then end up allocating your resources to the wrong place. Yeah, I do want to ask you about that when you say a wrong answer. I mean, one of the concerns about AI is around bias and and discrimination. Uh, One example is that facial recognition algorithms could be trained to recognise, I don't know, a person of a certain racial uh, appearance uh, more easily than another because this type of data has been used in training more often. How do you work around some of the biases when it comes to the the, the projects that you're working on currently? Yeah, so it, it, it is definitely a problem. In fact, one of the earliest examples, it's a few years old now, but it was an example from the US where they were using an AI system at parole boards to predict reoffender rates of criminals. And an after-the-fact study found that that was actually racially biased. Um, but we, we although there's been a lot of work on this since then, we still have that problem today. Um, if you've been playing around with some of the um, new search engines that have got conversational AI systems in them in, in, involved, for example, you know, I managed to get one of them to tell me how to vote um, in an election the other night. So there's, there's still bias in those systems. How do we deal with it? Well, there's, I think there's a, there's a few different ways. So 
at the very technical level, you need to make sure that the data that you're collecting and the data that you're using to train the AI system on is representative of the population as a whole. But then there's also um, kind of higher level considerations, like how do you manage an AI system? How do you govern an AI system? So one of the things we're doing within the CSIRO is coming up with guidelines for organizations who are adopting AI to say, well, what's the governance behind that? How do, how do, they, how do they make sure at an organizational level and a cultural level that they're, they're dealing with that AI system in the correct way? You talked about the importance of a, an appropriate um, I want to say clean, but perhaps yeah, an appropriate data input for some of these chatbots. But when it's user-generated uh, from anywhere else on the internet, what, what are the checks and balances on the, some of these chatbots? Yeah, look, I think at its most fundamental level, you actually have to ask yourself the question when you're developing an application with AI, you know, should you be doing it at all? You know, um, not not just because we can do something with AI doesn't necessarily mean we should do something with AI. And then I think another consideration related to that is, you know, how quickly are you rolling out this AI system? Um, have you properly tested it before you're rolling it out? Um, should you actually slow down to make sure that it works as you expect before you're rolling it out? And I think that's one of the problems that we're seeing with systems like ChatGPT now is that they're actually being rolled out in a large-scale way because they want to use the population to test them. Um, but once you start integrating those into search engines, you know, that can become quite problematic quite quickly. It's 13 past four on RN Drive. You're hearing from John Whistle from the CSIRO. We're talking about artificial intelligence here on RN Drive. I mean, Ray Kurzweil wrote about the singularity and certainly it does seem to be approaching quickly. Do you have those fundamental philosophical concerns about the less ethical AI that you're seeing being developed by some of the world's largest data organisations? Yeah, well, I, I certainly don't think we're approaching the singularity. So there's been a lot of um, kind of speculation, I guess, whether some of these AI systems are becoming sentient or not. I think I, I would say absolutely categorically not. I think we have to remember that at the end of the day, these systems are just crunching numbers um, and using statistics. Um, so they've got absolutely no understanding of, of why they're doing certain things. It might, it might feel like they have because of the way they're presenting themselves, but they, they really don't. Um, in terms of concerns about, you know, some of these systems being used in, in a, a nefarious way, I mean, there definitely are concerns. I think it's, you know, some of these systems we've got now will make it easier to spread misinformation, for example. But on the flip side, there's lots of great examples of AI being used for social good. You know, we've done some work in the Great Barrier Reef, for example, where we're using it to detect an invasive species on the reef so that they can be removed more quickly. So it's um, in conservation. So I think it's, it's a balance. There's lots of great examples of things that can do well and make the world a better place, but we have to guard against the more nefarious examples as well. Yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting watch, watching the development and take up of chat GPT. I mean, this is the fastest growing consumer application ever. And certainly it'll have a bearing on how more ethical forms of AI develop. We'll have to leave it there. John Whittle is from the CSIRO. Appreciate your time this afternoon. Thanks very much. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.